Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Well, greetings, Imagination Connoisseurs. Once again, it is I, your Duke of Dope Discourse, as John Campia likes to call me, your existential Mr. Rogers, your Viceroy of Verisimilitude, Robert Meyer Burnett, and I'm here with issue eight of the Weekly Hero. But you know what? It's not a show unless we have the heroine of heroines, the hero of my life, the, 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 effort, what, the, the Empress of Effervescence. The Empress of Effervescence. That's what Glenn called me. Chris Carr. Hey, Rob. How you doing? You look lovely. Who are you today? Thank what you. are you today right I'm now? I'm a Charmander now. I'm, wow. a, I'm a cute little fire starter Pokemon. Well, I was going to say you look like a Pokemon. Gen 1. The Does OG. that mean did Logan catch them all? And that's why. Not the best one. He's actually has like a disgusting knowledge of Pokemon. He is so bad at knowing things. Pokemon, that's his thing. Wow. Yeah. That, well, that, and you still married him? Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, a nerd who makes me laugh? Come on. I don't judge. Cute. He's really I don't know. He is, he's a very handsome man. Yeah. Do you see him as Riker? Oh, I Ooh. did see him as Riker, and I, apparently he does that Riker maneuver quite well. He does. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's always good to be Riker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's bearded Riker from season two on, Yeah. which is important. Exactly. So that's good. Well, Chris, today is actually Halloween. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm dressed as a 17th century YouTube pundit. That's who I am today. Perfect. And you're a Pokemon. Yeah. So ain't we a pair? We're just cute. Well, you know, what's, what is what is fun about doing the Weekly Hero is sometimes mm-hmm. uh, news story drops, a news story drops, a new news story drops right before we start to record this show. Yeah. And we have a big one today. We got a juicy one. We got a juicy one. They have cast Wonder Man. <laughs> and I think it's actually a pretty great choice. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Yes. Now, this is his third comic book character. Of course, he played portrayed Black Manta in Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue he, to. And, and uh, the new Dr. Manhattan on the Watchmen TV so series. good. He got an Eddie for that, too, didn't he? Or at least a nomination. I think he got a nomination. Yeah. And first of all, can we just talk about how impossibly handsome this man is? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, and I have to say, my initial impressions when I first heard this, I've thought of him as a wonder man in his life. And now he is truly a Wonder Man, playing the character of Wonder Man. They're nice. A long time. I mean, I think Wonder Man goes all the way back to like Avengers Nine or something. Wonder Man, the character was created, co-created by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and a couple more people. Mm -hmm. And Don Heck. Don Heck. Don Heck. That's right. Don Heck. Back in nineteen sixty-four. Sixty-four, and he has a relationship with Baron Zemo. 
which is interesting because they're only talking about bringing Trevor Slattery back, Ben Kingsley, for the show. Yeah, and that's because of the actor angle, because Simon's an actor and stuntman, so it makes sense to have Trevor there, too. And if they, But if they lean in, are they going to bring Zemo back? I mean, Zemo helped get him his powers yeah. to infiltrate and destroy the Avengers. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? How do you, first of all, how do you feel about this casting? What do you think about this news? I'm, what do you think about them making a Wonder Man show? You know, I was honestly kind of surprised about the Wonder Man show because, it, you know, it's kind of a B-side. For Marvel, right? it is kind of a beast. But that's the that's the genre, or that not the genre. That that's the new territory we're treading into, though, with these new phases and everything. Right? We got to introduce everybody. We've had all the heavy hitters, and honestly, we started off with people who traditionally were more B sides. Yeah, know? absolutely. You know? I mean, everyone's like Iron Man's not an A list character. Yeah. How'd that work out for exactly. you? Exactly. Quite now well. Now he is, but I think it'll be fun. He's such an interesting character. You know that. That stuntman actor, his father, Sanford Williams, is an industrialist, much like Tony Stark's father, Howard. Um, but, you know, his business is being just run into the ground, and Stark is a much more um, lucrative operation. Than I mean, they were mad at Stark without knowing that Stark, that Tony Stark was Iron Man. Yeah. So that's part of the story. I think they're going to put all of this in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and look, a long, I mean, this is a character that goes all the way back to not quite, but almost the first, well, the first year of Avengers comics, like yeah. you said, back in, what, 64? 64, yeah. I mean, that's this is a long journey. And Wonder, you know, it's funny, because when I was growing up, Wonder Man was a character I never could wrap my head around. He was kind of this ubiquitous, he was always with him. Yeah. You know, and and, and I, I I don't know if I love this character, because I don't, I don't equate him. He's had many storylines, and it's not mm-hmm. fair to him. It's not fair to the character of Wonder Man. For sure. That I don't. He didn't have his Wonder The Dark Knight Returns. There's no Wonder Man Returns. Yeah, Even not though there a are, Man though, one. they're kindest. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I think it's cool, though, that they had to, as far as Avengers go, to me, Wonder Man is, is one of those key components to the Avengers because he's been there from the beginning, mm-hmm. more so than a lot of Avengers that became Avengers later. Yeah, And so I think they had to introduce him. And I kind of like the fact they're going to introduce him in his own series. So a Disney Plus series, which is like with Moon Knight, mm-hmm. you know, like with Agatha Harkness. I mean, they're getting, they're going to start, well, we've already seen Agatha in WandaVision, yeah. but still introduced in a series. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that they're going to give him his own show. Do you think they are going to do the whole kind of kitchen sink approach to his powers though? Because he does have everything. I mean, it's the superhuman strength. Flight. I think at one point he had like an electromagnetic power yeah. as well. It's a I, lot. I think they're going to have to more clear. Look at that. There he is. That's that's his initial the first OG appearance. costume. Yeah. There you go with that big W. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think that they're going to have to define his powers mm-hmm. only because that's what I mean. It, it is TV viewers like wait can he he could just do everything? Yeah. I think that might be getting a little. I don't know. If, it gets a little convoluted. Yes. If you're not a big OG comic fan, mm-hmm. it's a little convoluted. I think so, too. But I like this casting. I, mm-hmm. I like I like what they're doing. I think, um, you know, why not? It's cool that this is dropping news. I don't know when we're going to get. Obviously, it's going to be 2023 at some point. Mm-hmm. But I, I like this idea. And Dustin, uh, the director of Shang-Chi, is developing this series. Oh, awesome. So I think that's um, uh, that's a really great way to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for this. I think, frankly, it's I think it's really good. I think it'll be cool. Tonally, how do you think it's going to be? Because we've already had kind of the the sitcom with She-Hulk. You know, we've we've dabbled with some. Uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I because he because he is, is a stuntman and an actor, 
the idea of of the dream factory and suddenly he becomes i i think i think this is going to deal more with with show business yeah and 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 what does it mean when you become a wonder man in a show or in a in a in a um a milieu where you want to become larger than life i mean if if you're not an actor becoming a superhero is the next best thing yeah maybe I would think so. I mean, he's going to bring that charisma to the actual character. I mean, mm-hmm. I could see him maybe playing up the ego part of it. And once you yeah. become a superhero, how do you how do you tamp an ego down when you're super powered? I'm hoping we get kind of a little bit of a boy sensibility with that of just you yes. know, being a hero, but it's that kind of hero for higher ideology and wanting the fame over the actual helping humanity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then we had other news that yeah. while not necessarily comic book related. It's spooky. It's spooky. And, and tis the season. Today is Halloween. Yeah. Now, uh, one of my favorite people that I've met in the industry is producer Brian Fuller. Writer, producer Brian, Brian Fuller. Brian cut his teeth working on Star Trek, like Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Trek Voyager. He was a producer on that. But one of the things that I love one of my favorite things ever on TV was his adaptation of Thomas Harris's novels, the Hannibal Lecter books. Oh, he did Hannibal, the three seasons of Hannibal, which so I think good. one of the greatest, perhaps the greatest horror television series ever. I now I've interviewed him uh, a couple of times for my own YouTube channel. And I really, he's a very smart guy. He had been talking to me years ago about wanting to do a Friday the 13th prequel series. Now, I don't, that they they were going to, he talked about what, he was like, how did Mrs. Voorhees become, she didn't just become someone who was a murderous, whacking yeah. camp counselors because something happened to her son. What happened even before that? Who's Jason Voorhees' father? And what kind of a relationship did they have? Mm-hmm. He was talking to me about this a uh, long time ago. Well, today, and and part of the reason that it couldn't happen was there was a rights issue with the writer of the original Victor. Is it Miller? Victor Miller? Um, I believe so. Let me double check for you. He's on, he's working on the show. He's one of the producers of the show. Yeah, Victor Miller's producing along with um, copyright attorney uh, Mark Toberoff and then Rob Barismian. Yeah. It, Sorry well, if I said that wrong. This was a long standing. Victor Miller wanted to get the rights back because he of course created Mrs. Voorhees and Jason Voorhees, as he appears with the hockey mask, didn't even show up till the third film. So there was really? yes, he's oh, wearing basically so a, a, a a a sack a, a sackcloth on his face with a, a, a eye hole torn into it oh. in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Okay. So there was a lot of rights issues to to who owned the actual Friday the Thirteenth characters, mm-hmm. and finally Victor Miller was able to liberate this because he, of course Friday the Thirteenth came out in nineteen eighty. Yeah. So um, they that that the, the the ending of that lawsuit, that whole rights issue, paved the way for this. So Brian Fuller is now going to be able to create this show. Now I know you love horror films. You love <laughs> slasher movies. You love anything to do with. There she is. There's they Mrs. Voorhees. Um, so and, and it's coming from a twenty four elevated. Horror, the legal battle. It's really interesting. This looks like it's on deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, so this story, I everyone should check it out because it's really interesting. Yeah. The whole background. 
Now, what do you think about this? Could could somebody convince you? Would we could we twist your arm to tune into this show? I mean, my only knowledge of Friday the Thirteenth is that at some point Jason goes to space. Um, he does, and I know from Scream that Mrs. Voorhees was the original killer because Casey oh, Drew Barrymore man. doesn't get that right, and that's one of the things that leads to her demise. That's all I know, but. I could maybe be convinced to watch this. Um, horror television shows typically are a little more palpable for me. Um, one, because I can deal with the pacing of it. I can, I can get up and leave for a moment. I can do all of that. Um, and they're typically, not always, because of streaming now, they're typically not as graphic usually. So I can usually deal with it. Hyper-stylized violence, I don't know why, is just much easier for me. Really, really like realistic violence. Ooh, I know it's fake. I've been on sets. I've made SFX makeup before, and it's still just ugh, creeps me out. I used to work in special makeup effects, and I couldn't get enough. Oh. I, I actually got to once paint Dick Duroc's Swamp Thing masks. What? I know, right? That's I've rad. got a picture of me somewhere on Instagram where I'm painting Aww. them. How did you and Brian meet, by the way? I met Brian Fuller through probably some writers' parties at okay. Mutual Friends because a lot of the people that worked on Star Trek in terms of the writing staff, I knew them. Mm-hmm. And then I would see him around at events. When The Force Awakens came out, he and I both wound up standing in line at Toys R Us for the midnight opening of Force Friday so we could go get our toys. <laughs> That's awesome. But he wanted the radio-controlled R2 that they didn't have, the really expensive oh, one. Mm-hmm. I know. What are you going to do? Poor Brian. All, by the time we got into the store, half of it was all picked over anyway. I got a Lego uh, first order TIE fighter. That's what I got Shit. that night. I know, okay. right? So what? there you go, kids. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited for him. I think that he'll look, whatever he's going to bring, it's going to be effed up, psychologically interesting. Yeah. And it's probably going to be a deep dive into the psychosis that created Mrs. Voorhees. See, and that's more interesting to me, right? When it's just, hey, we're just killing co-eds or camp counselors or whatever you want to do. Eh. But if there's a rhyme and reason for the murdering, I can get on board with that. I'd like a psychological deep dive into darkness. Oh, I have to say that a number of, a couple of years ago, Brian Fuller dressed up as Mrs. Voorhees. He threw a party, the ultimate Friday the 13th party at his house where you had to come dressed as characters from any of the films. Oh, and he dressed as Mrs. Voorhees. And if you look at him, he looked exactly like Mrs. Voorhees. I guess you could look up Brian Fuller, yeah. Mrs. Voorhees, Halloween party. It's amazing when he's holding up the knife. Oh, Jesus. What is this image? That is an altar well, he of misses Mrs. His Voorhees' mom. head. That's, that's Mrs. Voorhees. It's kind of like how uh, Helga Pataki made a shrine to Arnold on Hey Arnold. But, you know, worse. Wow. That's a reference that is only for me. <laughs> Well, there you go. I mean, I think this is really exciting. Maybe it's not comic book related, although there have been Friday the 13th comics. I think it's very cool. And for Halloween, we get this news dropping today with somebody I know. Yeah. But so congratulations, Brian Brian Fuller. Absolutely. So cool. Now that brings us to, we wanted to talk about spooky comics, but I found out we have issues. We have a big issue, mister. But we have a real big issue that we learned about today while live on the John Campia show. Yes. And I don't think we could fight it out. But um, why don't you tell us what that, what is it? What did I find out? I was, I felt really ganged up on today. Oh, to really? Honest. Yeah. Oh, you I was, I was caught between a rock and a hard opinion? place. Oh, my trash opinion. Yeah. I say, I, I love you so much. I love you. Don't butter do. me up. I will. Uh, but your opinion's wrong. Willow is so great. I okay. 
this is also maybe one of those things like how you don't like hook. Maybe it's just seeing at a specific age or something where like, because I saw it as a kid, I'm just still filled with like childlike wonderment every time I see this movie. And Val Kilmer is so gosh dang gorgeous and fun and wonderful in this film. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> How can you not like it? How because, like okay, as I was trying, the, the point that I was making, okay. the reason we have we, we part ways on, on this film is I thought during the 80s, fantasy filmmaking was kind of like fetch in Clueless, right? Okay. They're trying to make fetch happen. Wasn't you mean in, uh, no, that's uh, I mean, mean Girls. Be, I mean, pardon me, mean, yeah. why, why I say Clueless? Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make fetch happen. They're trying to make fantasy happen. In 1981, we had Dragon Slayer. Hey, the greatest dragon ever seen on screen up until recently. The Vermithrax pejorative. Movie was a bore. You know, Conan the Barbarian, which didn't have, I mean, yeah, there was, it was the closest that anything came to being badass. That movie kicked mm-hmm. ass, but that was more because it was more barbarian action. It was light on the fantasy. Sure, Thulsa Doom could turn into a giant snake, but it was realistic. And it was James Earl Jones. So it was Darth Vader yeah. turning into a snake. So it didn't matter. Everything else, you're the hunter from the future. Uh, there was just all kinds of, and all the fantasy, Ridley Scott's Legend, which I really like. I thought Legend was, was, but that was more of a fairy tale. I didn't see Legend until 2020. What? Yeah. Greatest makeup effects ever. Oh, Tim so Curry's good. Darkness. Tim Curry's so good as Darkness. Now, I was kind of excited for Willow, mm-hmm. but the problem that I had was the character of Willow was kind of like uh, Hobbit much. I mean, it was such a derivation of all of Tolkien's themes without the the wit or the intelligence or the um the meaning it was just a distill it was a it was a distillation of fantasy tropes i'm having flashbacks to our rings of power after show with you i'm oh. just saying and and look <laughs> i thought admittedly joanne whaley who later became joanne whaley kilmer mm-hmm. hot redhead can't go wrong with that mad Mardigan was great queen bavmorda yeah I mean, who looked like Snow White's queen, evil queen. I mean, this this was just a collection of tropes, and it was just fantasy light. It was milk toast fantasy. I never felt any danger in it. I will say this. They had one of the first great morphing effects mm. that you saw in this mm-hmm. film. So there was a lot of great visual effects, but I just felt this movie was, it was just pablum. I just love it. And I, I feel like it is a homage and a love letter to all of those different tropes. And it was something that, and maybe this is the issue then, is that it was palpable for a kid to go, wow, this is a really great story. This is really, really fun and exciting. Someone who has to go off on a quest and do the right thing because no one else is going to help that baby. Just a willow. I I love all the tropes mixed in there. I think it's wonderful. And that's all fairy tales are. Any retelling of these too, they all kind of mash together. Look, man, I was in college by this point. Okay. I wanted something more. I wanted, look, I'd seen Ralph Bakshi's half, the half of the Lord of the Rings animated, which I liked, but I wanted to see, and we all wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Where's Lord of the Rings? That's what everybody asked. We wanted to see that. Yeah. You know, and, and I felt like what we got with this, and this isn't a bad movie, mm-hmm. but remember, also, Willow, Willow gave us a two-headed dragon called an Ebersisk, named after Roger Ebert. And Gene Siskel. That is true, by the way. That's a fun little fact. The Eber Sisk. Uh, I just, this movie just, I I can't, I I just felt it was not dangerous enough, not cool enough, and it was too much for little kids. Oh, man. 
Mad Mardigan was But the I did coolest. like the music. The music was great too. And to be fair, like I just hatched when this movie came out. Like that's when I just came up on the scene. So that would might also be why I'm so in love with this is when my parents showed it to me when I was like five or six. Were, which which I can I, loved it. I can understand. I mean, yeah. I can cuz at five or six I can understand. But like mm-hmm. you said it's 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 what time you see movies in your life. Yeah. But so we can agree to disagree, but I will say this. For sure. The Willow TV series, the trailer for the show, now, see, there's the Ebersisk. Uh, now that we have, and ILM's effects in this movie are great. Yeah. Now that we have, um, we've had Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. The Hobbit and Game of Thrones and many other things. Uh, Aragon, not so good. But mm-hmm. we've had all kinds of uh, World of Warcraft. There's been all kinds of fantasy movies that have been made. So now... I think they know what they can do. They know they don't just have to direct fantasy toward children. Yeah. It's for everybody. I think that said, the new Willow show does look quite good. It looks fun. It really it looks, looks super, super fun. It looks like they've added layers to it. Warwick Davis has grown up into mm-hmm. the role. Uh, I really like what he's been doing on his other TV roles, too. Yeah. Uh, I think he's great. So I'm hoping... Fingers crossed that this Willow show is awesome. I hope so. I, I really just want it to usher in new fantasy fans, too. You know, I feel like it's it's a very accessible kind of version of fantasy. We're not doing, you know, very highbrow, like, token speech patterns or things right. like that. I I always like it when fan, and this is just a very American perspective, I guess, but it's so nice when you can visualize yourself in a fantasy world, and that's hard to do sometimes just because of, though, like even Harry Potter or things like that. Well, it was, oh, well, that's that's over in England. That makes it extra mystical and magical. Oh, it does. Right? Because all fantasy stories all begin somewhere in the UK. Yeah. Well, all of them. Any, anytime you audition for a fantasy video game, basically, they're like, you better have some kind of UK dialect because... That fantasy does not play, take place in America. Do That's you have one? I have a couple. Can you can you say oh, something? Golly. And... Um, oh, I don't know. I need to read something. I know. I just, um, I, I, I'm putting you on the spot. Willow is a 1988 American dark fantasy adventure film directed by Ron Howard and produced by Nigel Wood. Wow, that was pretty great. Thank you. I, can do I love how you can just do that. Logan's really good. My husband's a dialect coach, and so he can just bounce between all of them. Wow. Yeah. But those aren't just the issues we want to talk no. about. It's Halloween. It is. And we got to talk about comics, and you've got a pretty good, you suggested let's bring in some horror-related comics. Yeah. What was your horror-related comic? Well, I will tell you right after this break from our sponsors, the good folks over at Stamps.com. We want to thank a sponsor of today's episode, Stamps.com. Guys, it happens every holiday season. No matter how prepared we think we are for the season, it always turns out we're nowhere near as prepared as we thought we were, especially with our shipping. And right about now, seasonal excitement, or dread as the case may be, is really starting to settle in, especially for small businesses. Slaying through traffic to the post office? Inboxes more like a blizzard than a winter wonderland? Rushing to send cards and gifts to your loyal clients? The good news is it's not too late to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control with Stamps.com. Sign up now and you'll be printing your own postage in minutes. Because Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all of your shipping and mailing needs. Get access to the United States Postal Service and UPS services that you need to run your business right from your computer. Up to 86% off. So this holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights and get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Campia for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code Campia. 
And, well, Chris, Mm -hmm. our friends at Stamps.com generously supported this issue of the Weekly Hero. Thanks, Stamps.com. But that doesn't change the fact that you have an issue. I do. I have a great issue. Do you? I do. I think this is also kind of a left field pick for me because I'm not a horror person, right? No. But I grew up watching Invader Zim, and I... Love that cartoon. I, that's uh, Jordan or uh, 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 Joan and Vasquez. Joan, yeah, Joan and Vasquez. And oh, it was so great. I loved Gur. I loved every time like we learned about different alien organs. We'd be like, oh, my squiggly smooch. Um, love that show so much. So great. So I had stumbled upon, you know, probably in in junior high, uh, Jonan's comic, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Which is not for kids. If, no. If you think that your kid who loves Invader Zim reruns should read this, you're wrong. Don't do it. It is so violent. It is so gory. I mean, the name, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Um, so Johnny, or Ni, see, uh, he is a very, very moody fella. Uh, this takes place in the 90s. The run was from 94 to, or 95 to 97, I believe. And it talks about consumerism and, you know, just 90s nostalgia and stuff like that. But there's also just this weird kid who is bothered by everything. I mean, humidity makes him want to be a murderer. Um, People who smoke drive him into a homicidal rage. But also, he needs to keep painting his house. So he uses the blood of his victims to paint his house. As one does. As you know, when you need a red wall, there you go. Um, The art in this is really, really fascinating too, right? It has that very Invader Zim, jagged style that we associate with Vasquez. But what's really cool too is when we have speech bubbles, those change depending on their mood, right? So the more angry and homicidal Johnny gets, the speech bubbles become like kind of aggressive and jabby and stuff. Yeah. So you start to see them kind of shift out. It was just one of the first times I saw real detail to that kind of thing and emotion in a comic, which is odd to say, because it's just a very violent, weird, trippy thing of going, oh, wow, the nuance in this is really amazing. (laughs) It's a great, great read. It's wildly wildly graphic it's all told through vignettes you really don't know when the order of these stories are happening or anything but it is it's some disturbing stuff and if you want to read about some murders for halloween johnny the homicidal maniac is my pick have you read this before yeah i have but a long time ago when i back when i was married Mm -hmm. uh my ex-wife was a huge fan oh a huge fan i mean gur we had we had a stuffed gur like multiple stuff for oh, yeah. house. And Joan and Vasquez, we, we met him, you know, at, I think at Comic-Con. Oh, nice. a, a big fan of Invader Zim. But uh, this comic was was definitely also popular oh, yeah. back then. Oh, man. You can get the director's cut of this, too. It's called the director's cut, and it's the omnibus of it. Well, yeah, that's what I, that's what I, when you told me about this, I looked into it. Because I really only collect, like, hardcover omnibuses yeah. now just because. But I think it is in a hardcover. There is, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I, I will mm-hmm. now have to get it. Yeah. I, um, I will say, too, for those of you who are digital readers, which, again, I don't understand for comics, um, the Kindle, you, you cannot read this comic on there. I mean, it's, it's just the formatting and everything is just bleh. Yeah, don't, I don't do it. Don't spend your money that way. Can't can't do it. Yeah. Wouldn't be prudent. Uh, my comic is a classic that goes all the way back to the early 70s. Marvel in the 70s was big on literary characters. They had licensed, like, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, they put out from the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs estate, Conan the Barbarian. One of my favorite what-ifs was what if Conan the Barbarian was in the 20th century. But another literary character that they used, but I don't think they had to pay for the rights for it, was Dracula. And Tomb of Dracula, which started in the early 70s, this comic 
what I loved about this was at the time when I was a kid, sometimes I was seeing Hammer Horror. Hammer is a studio that made Dracula, Frankenstein. They mm-hmm. they had done what the Universal Monsters did, but in a much more updated. There were boobies in those movies. Uh-oh. And when sometimes I get to see them, I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> but what I really liked about the Tomb of Dracula comic and Marv Wolfman, who later went on to do like to define Teen Titans and There was a lot of great creators that worked on this comic, but this was truly a great horror comic. It leaned in to the horror of it all. It wasn't, it was not a, a, it was not directed at kids, even though, I mean, look at that. The child is a slayer of the man. I mean, this was a horrific comic that basically Dracula was the hero. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I love the art. I, it was very gothic, and as a as a um, uh, that, I mean, you can see this this comic sort of defined the early to mid seventies, and that was when I started reading comics as a kid. I didn't like horror comics much. I liked superhero comics, but I liked Tomb of Dracula and I liked Ghost Rider. Oh, and both goodness. of those comics leaned into the horror more so to the horror elements. Um. And it was, it was just a great comic to read. The art was great, and it was at the same time I was reading like Famous Monsters magazine that Forrest Ackerman put out with all the horrible puns. But they would yeah. cover, you know, all the all the the, the monsters. And uh, this comic ran for quite quite a while. They've collected it into hardcover omnibuses, which are great. And then, of course, Dracula continued to on as a, a character. In Marvel Comics, there's even, he even at one point, he bit Storm. Dracula turned Storm. Oh. And it, I think it's, I think it's X-Men Annual 6 okay. from 1982. Mm-hmm. Dracula turned Storm into, and the cover is great because it's got, you know, Vampire Bride Storm on the cover drawn by Bill Sienkiewicz, mm. who later went on to do Moon Knight and everything. So this is just a great classical, gothic, kick-ass horror comic that still to this day it really works you can see the panel design here the art's great it's really moody and um as a kid you know it's funny when i got the omnibuses i was like are these comics going to be as kick-ass now as they were when i was a kid and they really kind of are oh they live up yeah they live up they live up and uh you know the omnibuses are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love the omnibuses. Just because I know it's like it's a it's a behemoth of a run. It's like seventy issues. Yeah, it's the, the, there's two thick um, uh, omnibuses. Okay, cool. So with the different writers and everything too, because I know like Conway came in for a little bit and everything. Yeah. Is it does it feel like that's a smooth transition or does it have? The, the, you know what? There there there's there different writers did different things. Mm-hmm. There's more of a sometimes there's more of a pulp feel to it Ooh, okay. where where Dracula was turned into more he was more heroic. I I like I like more of the horror the horror elements into it. Like yeah. it, it it's Marv Wolfman was the writer I really liked the most writing writing. And he Marv Wolfman went on to do like he created Brother Blood and Mother Mayhem. He he loved he had an affinity for horror yeah. in a way that I really liked. Mm-hmm. So it's a great comic. Man. It's a great comic. Excellent issue. So, yeah. And for those of you who are interested, the, you should blind buy the... I mean, the omnibuses are expensive. Go to Cheap Graphic Novels. That's an actual place. They don't sponsor this show, but I get a lot of my omnibuses at Cheap Graphic Novels because they do a fantastic job packaging their, their books. Nothing will happen to your books. And you can get them cheap. 
Oh, there we so go. So cheaper than Amazon sometimes. Nice. So if you want to stick to Marvel, you can read Tomb of Dracula. If you want to read about, you know, a homicidal kid, Giant the Homicidal Maniac. These are good issues. I, I think, like them. Uh, they're good. Yeah. They're good issues. You know what else is good? What? Hot Toys. Yeah, they are. You Hot love Toys. Them. And uh, I brought in to celebrate the release of the Quantum Mania trailer. Mm. I brought in Hope Van Dyne. Ooh. You know, and uh, of course, it was great. When they made Hot Toys doesn't do a lot of female figures, but when they do, they're usually pretty exquisite. Mm-hmm. This one in particular is one of my favorites. So we can take a look at that. Hello, everybody. I am here with the Titan of Twerking, the Sultan of Sugar Daddies, and the Relisher of Redheads. Can't argue with any of those, Taylor. Rob, what do you have for us today? Today's Hot Toys segment, this is actually an actual hot toy. It is from Ant-Man and the Wasp. I figured with Quantum Mania, the trailer being released, I would show this figure. Uh, I really like this figure. This is Hope Van Dyne as the Wasp. Um, this is actually a really fun figure. Not only uh, is it great, it, it, I didn't put it in. I forgot to put the battery in. It has a light-up feature in the mask, inside the helmet. It does light up. Um, I really like the wing features on this figure. The costume is incredibly well done. Uh, obviously, I have her flying on the base, the action base that Hot Toys provides. Uh, this figure is full of accessories, including the wings. And of course, it comes with the miniaturized version of the Wasp and also another head sculpt uh, of Hope Van Dyne outside of the mask, which I think is the likeness that you can see is quite good. And I think this is, you know, Hot Toys doesn't do a lot of female figures. And when they do do female figures, they're usually pretty spectacular. And I think this this is one of the greatest female figures Hot Toys has ever done. Um, it really is beautifully constructed. The costume, I said, is on point. The wing feature is really, really, really cleverly done. Little fragile, you gotta be careful with it because you don't wanna break it. But um, the fact that you can display this figure in a number of different ways, uh, I really enjoy this. Uh, you know, I know obviously that the way I have it displayed is a little obtrusive in terms of covering up the costume, but truly a really great figure. I know uh, I'll probably have to buy another one when Quantum Mania comes out, but if you have in your display uh, an Ant-Man from Ant-Man and the Wasp and this figure, it looks great in any display. I took this out of my Infinity War Endgame display, but I'm a huge fan of this particular figure, even though she is not a redhead. So I still love this figure anyway. I think it's a spectacular Hot Toys figure. A lot of fun, a lot of accessories, and um, it's, a, it's a terrific top shelf offering from Hot Toys. How can you not love Hope Van Dyne? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. I never thought as a old middle-aged man with one foot in the grave that I would be excited about female action figures. But who knew? Yeah, I still love them. Okay. Uh, and actually, the the if you pair her with Ant Man, um, with Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. it's it's a great display. I mean, it, it's the, the, my in a way it mirrors this Iron Man, um, Pepper Potts display when she puts on the armor in Endgame. Oh yeah, they make that figure is actually it's called it's it's actually called rescue. That figure is called rescue. Yeah, because the armor, mm-hmm. but. But it's kind of like putting them side by side on their flying posts. That you saw the Hot Toys flying post, which I really love. Uh, you can, it's cool. So I've I had them in the case. I had the Mark eighty five Iron Man and 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 uh, Rescue. They're kind of back to back fighting. And I had Ant Man. I mean, they don't make a giant man because that would Hot Toys that would 
probably cost ten thousand yeah. dollars. But I had kind of Ant Man and and Hope uh, displayed with them fighting mm-hmm. on the battlefield. Nice. So a really great great figure from Hot Toys celebrating the release upcoming release of Quantum Mania in in February. Oh yeah. So you know it's coming up on us. There you go. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And this has uh, been another exciting episode. Epis- Can you believe we've done eight of these? I know. <laughs> Why do they keep letting us do these? This is great. Uh, it is great. It's a lot like of fun. John. <laughs> uh, we uh, we just got to get, you know, if you love this show, you yeah. got to like, you got to subscribe, tell your friends, hit the indicator or the bell. Yeah. Turn that bell on so you get notified when these tasty episodes drop. Yeah, because if you still want to see us and our issues. You got to watch. You got to watch. Tell your friends. Smash that like button. And do you have uh, hot plans for Halloween tonight, or have you already gone Ooh, to Halloween? No, I've got two more things to do tonight. I'm going to stop by. I'm going to stop by Amy Newman's party. So excited to see Amy. Um, and then I'm going to go uh, hand out candy with uh, my friend Tanya and Scott. J. Scott, Kim- J. Scott Kimball, um, oh, who created Danger Girl. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you would know him. I, I, I love Danger Girl. Yeah. She was very uh, formative for Logan. <laughs> oh, I I can understand why. Yeah. So we're going to do that, and we will be uh, Troy and Riker again. Are you doing anything? Are you doing a costume change? No, I no. I'm unfortunately well. Not I'm not unfortunate. I'm fortunately working on a. Uh, I guess I could call it a horror film. <gasps> yeah, I've got some editorial work to do on a project I Ooh, can't really talk about yet. That's but exciting. It's almost done. Nice. Well, it, and you also have to do the show tomorrow, so you probably aren't going to. Party. No, I'm not going to tie one on. It's still, after yeah. all, Sober October, right? Oh, I ended Sober October on Friday. I did and too. Let's be honest. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Well, all right. Well, that brings us again, I guess, to the end. Yeah. The end of, of issue our- eight mm-hmm. of The Weekly Hero. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but who knows what's going to drop by then. Exactly. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We want to thank our sponsor, of course, Stamps.com. Mm-hmm. We want to st- thank all of you out there for supporting the John Campia show and this channel and giving us great things to talk about and being generous. I mean, this show is not live, so you just have to listen to us and tell us how great we are. Yeah. In the comments Please. below. Oh, also, if you are already following me on Twitter, actor Chris Carr, you will find on there some information to go buy and download the game. Thanks, Killing Day. It came out today. Yeah. And Um, you and Logan do voices. Logan and I are both voices in this. Um, Sandy Johnson from the original Halloween movie is uh, one of the characters as well. Um, It's a real, real fun game about, you know, homicidal turkeys. Speaking of that, where can people find you? At actor Chris Carr on both Instagram and Twitter. Or you can head over to my studio if you want to learn about voiceover. www.speakfriendsstudio.com And I'm, of course, Robert Meyer Burnett. You can find me on Instagram at RM Burnett. Find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me uh, at Post Geek Singularity on YouTube. And that brings us to the end of the Weekly Hero Issue 8. Collect them all, kids. Yeah. Happy spooky season. Bye.